We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 303 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'd like to welcome back to the show for the first time in the Xavi era, the BXE, before Xavi era, and then there's the after. And Kevin, while I may be stuck in quarantine with COVID, you've been quite the traveler since we last spoke. So I ask you, how have your travels been? Fantastic. We are um, well into the psychological uh, process, anyhow, of relocating to Portugal. Um, we are going back in January uh, for a month just to like live and hang out and chill and maybe, you know, find a new forever home. So it's just been fantastic. That does sound fantastic. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I'm in the opposite. People know I've been dealing with some stuff and yeah, I, now I got COVID. So I'm fully vaccinated, thankfully. And I can tell you any of our listeners, I know most of our listeners are fully vaccinated, but if you are not, and you have the ability to get vaccinated, COVID is no joke. I am fully vaccinated. I would say that I'm in pretty good shape. I'm not a professional football, but I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. I work out four or five times a week and Goodness gracious, that the one day was not great. So yeah, COVID is no joke. Get vaccinated. You know, we're now following rules, quarantine for quite a few days, me and my wife and my mother-in-law. So I appreciate everyone's, all the nice things people said before. And I know people are going to try to stay nice and tell me to get better soon. So I appreciate that too. But speaking of rules, Kevin is on to talk Segway. about, uh, yeah, to talk about uh, the new manager in Xavi. I know people have heard from me the last two or three shows, but Xavi's a new manager. So I hope you have to hear me talking about Xavi for the next four to five to six to seven years. So Kevin, I'm actually going to ask you where you want to start with this new rules. Do you want to start with a broad stroke of uh, a change in discipline, what the club might've been under Valverde and Setien and Kuman that has changed or, or maybe take the complete, you know, the athletics uh, Dermot Corrigan's approach and just say, Hey, it's a lot of talk until the results come and you can talk all you want about rules and discipline, but if results don't change, then what did it all matter? Which I think is the, the non Kool-Aid approach to take from that. So, I mean, that's long been my view and I um, took a little bit of stick for saying that, you know, Setien said the right things at his press conference too, right? Uh, so he and um, Xavi have that in common. Setien got um, no results because he didn't have the, backbone to match his grand ideas you know now comes Xavi um, he has rules I mean so rules are a foundation for building a group dynamic and rules are you know a structure 
um, that allow people to understand that one, there's a new boss in town, and you know, mostly there's a different way of doing things now. You know, fines, they're nominal, right? I mean, what can you find a millionaire, right, for being late to practice? Uh, but it's the structure behind those rules. I mean, Xavi, so it's funny because like the Guardiola comparisons, right, are apt and not quite so. I mean, both of them came in, into a damaged team. Uh, the difference is Xavi is coming in in mid-season. Um, Guardiola came in at the summer. Um, Guardiola had a much better team to call upon than Xavi does. And, um, was pretty incredible. With, I mean, right? Yeah. And then he brought in Eto, Terry Henry as a pretty good, he had a pretty good 11. <laughs> right. I mean, and then he brought in Daniel Les. You know, he promoted Busquets. I mean, where Xavi has, I mean, a damaged 11 and <laughs> some other guys. And so I think that these rules, you know, will make people understand that things are different. And I believe the same thing as a Dermot, which is, you know, it now mind you, it will take some time, you know, because this team is broken. It's physically broken. It's psychologically damaged. It's it's a mess right now. This is a group, as we saw versus Celta, right, that is expecting bad things to happen. And so when bad things happen, they aren't even that shocked, right? I mean, you know, we all knew that third goal was uh, coming. The only question was when. And, you know, when Aspas was standing there by himself, I said to myself, here's number three. And sure enough, he mm-hmm. choked it home. Now, how you can leave the most dangerous man on the pitch uh, for the opponent <laughs> staying there at the edge of the box unmarked, right, is beyond me. But it's typical of how the team is playing right now. Um, uh, they're allowing bad things to happen, which meets their expectations of bad things to happen. So Xavi has a massive job on his uh, hands. My guess is that he will get clunky results the first three or four matches, rules or no, and then you'll start to see something, whatever it is, take shape. Well, yeah, I mean, for the first few matches, it starts with Espanol and that Derby Shore, they're they're the Oof. same on points, but Barcelona should be better than Espanol. And I mean, if anything, you need that extra to get up for that match, then maybe that's the team to get up for. But really, it comes out of Benfica because if the forward line doesn't get any healthier, things don't change over the next few days and, and now two weeks, then Benfica could see a starting front three. I mean, again, unless I, I can't imagine Xavi actually sticking with it. But right now, the only first three front three healthy players are what it's Memphis, it's Luke de Young, and it's Demir at the moment. But obviously, Xavi could, I mean, uh, Gabi, <laughs> there we go. Gabi could play on the right wing. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned the fines too. I mean, what is the saying they say about fines? That fines don't mean anything to the rich. They're they're merely uh, the price of doing business, right? That a parking ticket yeah. is really, a, it's not anything. It's not a ticket because the fines are all about the system itself. But the fines escalating every time, you know, in, in theory, it sends a message. And also in theory, it's a lot easier instead of having to throw it's one thing for a manager to throw a player under the bus for something they've done privately and put that out in public. And it's another thing where a fine means that the player has almost made a choice to do that thing. So it, it does absolve the manager of that conflict, if that makes sense. And I think for, just for PR terms, it's a little bit easier to say, hey, 
you know, he chose to be late three times in a row. That's why he was fine three times. Those are just the rules that I've established. It's not me versus him. It's just him breaking those rules. And some of the other ones too, training staff to be there two hours early, players an hour and a half, eating breakfast and lunch together with nutritionists, individual training. And I think a lot of that is, again, if players continue to get injured, the question marks will continue to be raised. Now, if it goes three months and there are no major injuries, no major calamities and players stay healthy, well, then I guess you could say that he had some success in those rules. But again, those rules don't mean anything. That nutrition rules and the food rules and even the individual training, anything like that, it doesn't mean anything until players actually stay healthy, until there's actual, and not even results on the field. I just mean players physically playing. It's one thing right. to be not on the field, and it's another thing to to be playing poorly on the field. And then even other stuff like PK, less public appearances. You've seen that, and that'll be one of the ways that his friends or the captains can help Xavi a bit and give him the backbone that Setien never got. You know what I mean? Because that's what you said. The difference between Setien and Xavi is that Xavi might have the the fortification from the players and the president and the entire club to have the backbone bone that Setien wasn't allowed to have. And, you know, Ricky Pooch is one, I think you were mentioning this on Twitter too, that- Riding the scooter. Right, right. The little thing about the scooter and who knows when or where that was, but regardless of what that is, this is Ricky Pooch's last stand. I talked about it in the earlier show too, that if he does, if he not even fails against Xavi, but if he doesn't get his, his opportunity, he's not gonna get his opportunity at all. But I could also see he's him- done. But I also see him almost being made of an example of, hey, this is a La Masia kid. This is whatever. But if he were to break a rule with the scooter incident, that tells me a lot more about how Shavi is going to go about his first team players than it is about him not playing. Because I don't actually expect him to play because, again, he's behind Pedri and Gabi and Nico Gonzalez and Busquets and DeYoung. And listen, there is absolutely no... It's it's not a it's like a knock on him. It's not it's no knock to need to get other first team football. Carlos Salenya left, and we always thought that he probably could have made it, but he was always going to be fifth or sixth on that depth chart, and so he went and got first team football. And and failing to break in a midfield like that at Barcelona with three of the most impressive teenagers that we've ever seen in world football, along with Frankie De Young, who's seventy million euros, and Busquets, who changed an entire position, it's okay. Right. So it's, I, we're not going to, we don't need to get a pooch thing. But as far as the rules and the discipline, I could quickly see how he and Umtiti and Coutinho, how players on the fringes become the example of some of these rules very quickly if those are broken. Yeah. I mean, I think that. So the biggest thing that Chavez is going to have to do is find a way to show the uh, team he means business. Right. Uh, Guardiola rolled in, you know, you, you, and you out. Right. So it was uh, Deco, Ronaldinho and and Eto. He's like, are right, you guys out? Yeah. Well, what is the equivalent? And, Let me just ask you, what do you think the equivalent of Xavi doing that in this current team would be? I mean, is Coutinho even on that le- on that level? No, the thing I would what would be really interesting, right, would be for him to look at the captains and look at the captains very seriously. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, Jordi Alba is a wreck, I think. I mean, and people say, yeah, he's fine on the uh, during the match. He is, but mentally, at the least pressure, the guy collapses like a Jenga tower in a tornado. PK, the defense was better without him, right? You know, Busquets, people say he still has it. They're raving about, you know, that Rondo, right, during the Spanish national team training. The problems with uh, Busquets aren't on the ball. Right? They're when the opponent has the ball. Right. So, I mean, you have these three players, right, who are all captains, plus Roberto. And 
I don't think any of them belong in the X1. And so you have a complexity as a new manager where you have carte blanche, right? You have, you really have, now that Pedri's back in training, you have your midfield. You could sit up with Getz, rotate Young into that role, run a four-man midfield with Nico, Pedri, Gavi, and De Jong, and I would bet that team would be fantastic to watch, right? And it would be able to defend a, a counter. And it's not that surprising, though, because looking at his tactics from Al Saad, he did play with two pivots at times with two center midfielders or interiors in front of it. So what you just mm-hmm. laid out is not that crazy at all based on what he's going to be bringing in, some of those ideas. Yeah, so I think that, I mean, it would be interesting to see him take some sort of a posture with the captains, right? Where um, maybe they're fit and don't start. Um, I mean, obviously he he can't jettison them with Guardiola and Ronaldinho, which was, you know, I don't know if people fully recall how seismic that was back then, right? I mean, because Ronaldinho was everything to Barcelona. And yeah, he had uh, let himself go. He was a party boy. He was diminished and his uh, powers, but still um, to have a new coach come in and say to the team icon, you out, was it really set a tone. Xavi has to find some way to set a tone. Fines aren't that way, right? The question is, you know, rules aren't that way. So it'll have to be something significant, right? That involves the team. What that will be, who knows, but I could see him sitting one and or more of the captains and making that statement that we have to have people out there who can run, yeah, who can move. And I mean, we have to have people out there who are not standing around waiting for bad things to happen. And I appreciate everyone and their devotion to the captains. But for me, none of them should be on the pitch with the starting 11 right now. Not a single one of them. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, 
things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's interesting his words, the way he talked about the psychological pressure of playing at Barca and trying to understand that and individually help players with that responsibility. And it seems like very telling that the way that he spoke about that responsibility almost indicates or tipping his hat to say that, well, I understand that Coutinho can't handle that responsibility and it's just not going to work. Right. It's just not going to work out for him. That's not going to happen. But even that lending its hand to the captains in the likes of PK and Alba, who we know their performances sink as Barcelona sinks. It just happens. It's a symbiotic relationship between club's results and their form when things go bad. And that's going to be, again, the biggest challenge of Xavi because even a a yelly guy like Koeman could not be the one to say when a match goes sideways, this stops now from the touchline and get that onto the field. And so that's going to be the big, the big question. Uh, And as far as reinforcements and the power that Xavi has, one of the first things, here's another transition. One of the first things or question marks that he's going to have is with his technical secretary and Roman Planas to leave Barcelona. Now he wants to end his contract early, leaving Matteo Alemani and Rafa Juste to find a new tactical director and Roman Planas for the background, for those who don't care about, you know, the guys in suits, he arrived from Adafe back in 2018, did play a big role. He's credited. Now this also gets picked up at a media and recycled a million times. So the names that we hear are Ronald Araujo and Pedri, but he could have had a hand in a number of young players throughout the club. Like, I mean, you don't know of 17 year old Fabian Luzzi right now from uh, Raya Vicano, but there are just all these different names of players who could have been picked up at some point that he scouted or had a hand in sending a scout or whatever it was. But as far as replacing him, of course, there. I, I think Barcelona's answer is not the one that you saw that 
media kind of recycled, right? Like Michael Zork was one of the names for, yeah. from UC Dortmund, right? Well, he's leaving Dortmund to be replaced by Sebastian Kell, but Zork is retiring after 25 years. He's a one club man. He's only ever been Borussia Dortmund. His father played uh, a German football that he winds up being with Dortmund his whole career. So no, Michael Zork is not leaving Germany <laughs> to come to Barcelona. He's retiring. He's going off into the, in the sunset. Agent Carlos Puyol is going to be constantly because of his with Xavi and Puyol. Puyol is going to be, you know, if a PR person leaves or if a marketing director leaves, Puyol's name is going to be thrown in there because Puyol's name is going to be attached to this project as long as he is not attached to this project. And then the third name was Mark Overmars from Ajax, but I mean, he's pretty entrenched in that. And if he's going to leave for money, it's going to be for Newcastle money. It's not going to be for whatever Barcelona has for Mark Overmars. But I could also see Mark Overmars took the jump to Barcelona once before, but he also, if you remember when Barca got him as a player, they had to overpay for him the first yeah. round, right? And so do they have to overpay for him again from Ajax? But the other answer would be that Xavi is also apparently asking to see the full squad before worrying about January transfers, including even more players from the academy, thinking about what they might have and what they can bring. And honestly, I have to be fully fully honest, I throw this over to you, Kevin, the winning squad that we saw on Twitter today with, with Puj and Diego Almeida, right? <laughs> Listen, I pride myself on knowing the faces and the names and these players all the way down to the Juvenil Ah, Juvenil Bay and Cadet Ah, uh, Cadet Ah with the U16s. That's usually what I cover for the for my winter, whatever, my, my summer, whatever. There was two players. I was like, I don't know who that is. I, I don't know that face. It's too young, too, right? So now, so now we've got players. I mean, now we got players 16, 17 years old who I have to Google and figure out, oh, that's Juan David. Like I knew the name, but I didn't, I, I mean, I thought this kid was going to be the Hubenel Bay for two, three, four years or not, you know, not Hubenel Bay, right? But I figured he'd be in the academy for quite a few more years. He's not even the ones that I recognize. So when I say that the faces in training during international break tell me that Xavi is literally lifting every stone, the winning squad today tells me that Xavi is taking all 40 or 50 young players from 16 to 19 who play anywhere from Juvenile Bay to Barca B. He is uncovering all 40 to 50 of those stones. That winning squad tells me that he is not afraid to bring any young player into that training. And I don't think that's going to change when the internationals come back either. If that means that, you know, I know there's only 25 registered, but he can play those those U19 players like Ila, Ila Shakomash, we might just, you know, he might just be a first teamer now. I mean, we don't know. Like Xavi's going to pick his favorites and it's going to take a week or two to figure out who those are. And, you know, listen, again, yeah. if it's Luke DeYoung and Memphis and Demir or your three options for Benfica, it's not insane that Ila Shakomash is going to start that game. Not crazy at all. No, and the, I mean, the shame is that, well, you know, one that, uh, that Abde uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't beheaded. Uh, for his actions late in the Celta match, but um, he's not uh, registered for the Champions League squad because he is a very dynamic player on that right wing. And he's, I mean, once we get uh, Demir off the milk carton and back in the Aquan or, you know, back on the bench, you know, that'll be a very interesting notion as to whether, because there's no question that uh, Demir is insanely talented. Uh, the question seems to be that he just, he's a punk and he gets shoved around too easily. He shrinks in the face of uh, pressure. That's not a thing you can have at that level of football. And that's why he hasn't uh, been around. Now, the larger question is whether whether everything was so damaged under uh, Kuman that nobody could do anything. I mean, you know, when you um, think about the psychological uh, pressure, right? And how the young players have just rolled in like what pressure, you know, 
when Dembélé came and he was like, what pressure? This is what I do. Um, so it's not like this is a universal thing, but there are certain key players right outside of a Coutinho. There are certain key players who don't look equipped right now to handle that uh, pressure. And I think that, you know, the most difficult decision Xavi will have, I think, is what to do about the captains, right? Because, I mean, I don't know, I, my mind reaches and can't think of a t- team where all four captains, none of them belong in the starting 11, you know? And so I don't know what he does about that. But, I mean, the biggest thing is that he's got to get everybody. I mean, I don't know. So, you know, reports are the uh, team has only $10 million to spend the January uh, window. You know, so standing pets, not a bad idea anyway, unless Newcastle comes calling for a Coutinho. Then you have a little bit of, you know, cash to throw around. But I just don't think the the club's transfer record right now. I mean, look at who, the, I mean, you know, granted, they've all been on freeze, but... You know, but Depay has lost the fire, and with no one to uh, play off, he's even more ineffective. Uh, De Jong, I mean, that giant inflatable thing in the goal end with the waving arms is more effective than De Jong. Uh, the heart thing for Akun, and I uh, hope he comes out okay. That doesn't sound good. I mean, it's just like you know, Garcia, who is playing better. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm but, not going to do this again, Kevin. <laughs> he's been better. I'm going to defend him. But... <laughs> he's been better, but he's a long-term starter. But he's uh, he's been better. But he's not a long-term starter. And I mean, I'm I will always. I have said it before, and I will say it again. FC Barcelona with Jean um, uh, Claire Tadebo has blood on their hands. That is a uh, player who could be starting for this team right now. Right, and instead he's balling over in France and people are trying to convince themselves that a must see a kid who is slow, can't jump, turns like an ocean liner, but shapes a, a pretty pass. is going to be a future leader of this back line. No way in hell. Yeah. I mean, that's how desperate Barca was for that eight and a half million euros to Didibo. Like Didibo really isn't a player at all. He's literally a number. That's all he was. To, to yeah. they, they absolutely needed the money him and there was no option i mean that's why the loan situation right like people try to bring up that barca could could loan a player out or whatever it is but the loan system for barca just hasn't really ever borne fruit in that no. manner and usually a loan means that's your i mean i, I you know that's why Puj is stuck around that's why roberto sergio roberto stuck around actually that's also why mark bartra fought off loans for so long too because they knew that the minute you get that first year of a loan for FC Barcelona, you are now just a number because whatever number they got for you out on the market there, right? When you went out on loan, somebody threw a market uh, numbers for your salary and all these different transfer numbers where a club would say, hey, we don't want him on loan. We'll take him for eight million. Now Barcelona is able to establish your market. And once your market yeah. is established, then they're able to take that number and send it and export that number to other people. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's frustrating, right? Yeah. I mean, look at Emerson. Right? I mean, oh, he is. Oh, he's like a number. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> speaking of numbers, right? I mean, and so the rumors swirled around him uh, that he wouldn't even show up at the club. He'd just be sold straight on. Um, he came, 
featured a bit. And despite the snarking of people, I mean, he was somebody who was physical, fast, dynamic, um, could attack, could defend. How about that? All right. Beck could defend. Heaven forfend. Um, and now he's in um, a Tottenham and he might be in a worse show than Barcelona, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But I mean, you know, this there have been poor decisions made, you know, and Xavi is going to have to figure out what to do with Dest. I mean, I know people love him, but he's a, you know, he's not very good at right wing, nor is he very good at fullback. So what do you do with him, right? Um, uh, Mingetha, star like a house of fire, has cooled off since. Um, still prone to that lunging error, you know? And, and when he gets caught out, you have all that open space because you've got, you know, Grandpa Busquets who, who can't uh, get over there. You know, you've got uh, De Jong who's not that fast, who's often caught up pitch. And so... It's 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 not good right now. And I feel like people will have to just give Xavi the rest of this season to go right off. Uh, whatever happens, just write it off. Because uh, I think that, you know, um, if we have to lose someone like Planets, now is a good time. Um, because the market is dead functionally for uh, uh, Barcelona. But for also you, most teams. I, it must be said yeah. like, that when you look at the free agents, a lot of different teams are looking for a free agency and B- Barcelona both shot themselves in the foot, but COVID is far reaching for almost everybody. So I know everyone keeps yelling about Newcastle and that ownership group and, and all that stuff. But by and large, that most of the teams that can do the buying and selling, I mean, even Napoli today, it came out that he might, they, they might have to get rid of Insigne, which was, I mean, which is crazy to say that that's a player that's yeah. worth 50 or 60 and they might have to take a discount because they need to figure out and balance their books. So whether it's France, whether it, I mean, with their TV deal, merely has all this money with Saudi Arabia and coming to Newcastle and PSG has all this money. And even Bayern Munich has a lot of money still too. But you know, as much as we talk about the other quote unquote giants around the world, and the premier league, most of football, which is the market, which extends to the Norwegian league and the Danish league and MLS and Liga Emekis and the Russian premier league, that all those different leagues, they're playing on the same market, right? And if Barca can find a player, even in one of those places and figure out, right? Well, because once you become a Barcelona player, then you become a Barcelona player. Um, if that makes, I mean, I know it sounds yeah. really redactive, but uh, with the exception of like Douglas, who's one of those rare examples, I don't mean to really trash on Douglas here, but he's one of those rare examples where the minute he put on that jersey and you saw him on the field, he went, oh, no, 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 no. He does not fit in the rest of this. And that happens occasionally. Occasionally, there'll be that one player that, you know, because any player under 22, they can figure something out. But even like Teus Fernandez was another more recent example where yeah. he popped up on, you know, even in Dinamo Kiev, you went, oh, no, 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 this guy he is not playing the game at the same speed his teammates. Even if his teammates are right. you know, not getting great results and not winning Champions League, it's just not, it's not on the same level. And so that <laughs> happens occasionally. But by and large, if you get, again, we saw in the preseason when Demir had that confidence, he looked like he fit. That was the, actually the argument I made about Demir was that he, very, he actually did look comfortable. And once you know, La Liga happened and once that pressure of playing for FC Barcelona 
you know, came to his doorstep. Then you saw the player that was signed to play for Barca B and get used to the Spanish third division before he made the jump up. And then he was forced to take that shirt. But hey, I want to stick on the point of Brazilian right backs. We brought that up in Emerson. We talked Douglas, but let's talk uh, about a player that is more fondly remembered by Kool-Aid and that is Danny Alves. So this story pretty much already dead that there's- Yeah, it should be. Right, either a lack of interest or for La Liga also, not that the story was already dead from Barcelona's perspective. They kind of hush-hushed it, but then La Liga came from the top rope, it seemed like. We're like, hey, even if you want to think about it, (laughs) we want to make sure that this story is completely dead. So now there's, oh, Alves might come back someday in a non-playing role, but apparently he does want to play for Brazil at the 2022 World Cup. So he does want to play somewhere. Barcelona just may not be facilitating that. It sounds like, I was going to just ask you for fun, would that have been a good idea? It sounds like your answer is no. No, no. Look, okay, I mean, resounding no. It's resounding no. I mean, it's charming, and I'm as big a fan of, of nostalgia as anyone. That's a lie. I'm not. I hate nostalgia. Um, and I think that um, are the problem. So Danny Alves was um, a part of an 11 that hid his flaws. All right. He was a magnificent... Uh, attacking fullback. Magnificent. Um, He was also enabled by a press, by a defense. I mean, yes, um, dude back then uh, could defend. Now, no way. No way. I mean, I don't know how people even took that notion seriously. (laughs) No, not at this point, not physically. Um, um, psychologically, I'm sure he still has the uh, swagger and I think he would have been of value in, you know, um, um, trying to teach Dest how to be something or other, but as a player, no. Yeah. I mean, at 37, you think about the amount of time he's been a free agent for months now, the amount of time it would take him to get back into match fitness. Barcelona already has that issue. And you're right that the Danny Alves now doesn't solve Barcelona's greatest problem. It's the one that that Xavi needs patience on. And that is to organize that press to, to fix all those holes and the gaps. And if anything, if I, I'm, I got to look up what the term, the actual term is in Spanish for ball recoveries, but you know, as far as ball recoveries, that's going to be the thing I think that Xavi is going to be harping on more than anything else, just about this team's ability to pressure the ball together. And that was the issue with Celta where the first 10 minutes you went, Oh, this team is pressing well together. It's very, you know, it's again, put together between Nico and De Jong and Busquets and the spacing is right. When Barca don't have the ball, which is more important when, even when they do have the ball at times based on their weaknesses. And then came in the second half and it kind of broke down and and then it was. So yeah, I mean, I'll let you get in the last word on the first team, uh, the men's first team, because I want to talk about a team that does press well and does dominate and does have a opponent and does eat them oh, up yeah. and spit them out. So you, I'll give you the last so, word. The last 37-year-old that um, Barcelona should have picked up, and you know where I'm going with this, was Latin Ibrahimovic, right? Mm. And he was leaving MLS, right? His name uh, didn't even flash on the Barcelona uh, radar. You I think know. it would help their press? I, I was watching for the LA Galaxy. You want to talk about not pressing? It was, it was yeah, his advance. No, he wouldn't have helped their no press way. at all. But I think that, tell me, that you know, Luke De Jong is more useful than Ibrahimovic, who is working wonders at Milan. I mean, I mean he's a veteran presence. He scores goals. Um, he scores uh, wonder goals. I mean, obviously, you know, if he if you have to pick up a a geezer on a free, yeah, 
I'll give it a shot. I mean, if you're talking about a player who's not willing to take those bad results, I mean, he would be like throwing a flare into the the dressing room. I mean, I mean, it was it would have been a beautiful nightmare. I mean, would him and PK come to blows physically, possibly? But I mean, they almost did it the first time, and they might do it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that would have been that would have been something. I don't know how I would have felt about the whole Zlatan thing, but I mean, listen, it's a fair argument. It's a fair argument to have. So now on to the uh, the good Barcelona football team. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I uh, don't know if you watched. Uh, so, first of all, that morning, right, um, the New York Times came out with that fantastic piece by uh, Rory Smith on uh, um, Femini. And the best part about it was how it uh, conveyed this hunger, right? Uh, how the manager said, well, we didn't, we've not scored enough goals. And, you know, they had scored 60 goals in 11 matches, right? And he's like, well, that's, that's not enough. I mean, uh, we are created like, you know, 200 uh, good chances. So to only score 60 is not meeting standards. And it's just like, what the hell? And then you watch them that afternoon play against Hoffenheim. And I you know, tweeted that they played Hoffenheim like uh, they owed them money and just uh, uh, kicked their puppy. It was brutal. I mean, it was truly brutal. I mean, Hoffenheim didn't have a chance. Um, oh, when they got the ball, it was like a payday loan, right? Um, high interest and you know, brutal terms. Um, you know, it was they couldn't do anything. And more importantly, you know, the match was Barcelona football. Uh, the way we expect to see Barcelona. Football. I know that men are like, oh, it's the women, blah, 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 the game, who cares? But right now, I think Femini is playing a different game to any, like maybe PSG is almost at their uh, level, almost, but they are like uh, the Barcelona men's team was back in the day. They're playing a different game at a very different level. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you follow, I'd, I'd say follow the breadcrumbs, right? That it's one thing, as we talked about with Xavi, it's one thing to say the right thing. And it's another thing to be able to see that come to fruition. And for the Femini, it's, I go back to the Gamper Trophy from this past year, when Busquets had just found out that he's now the primary captain. So he gets on the mic and he goes, hey, we'd love to win Champions League. We're going to try our best. We're going to fight for you and da 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 And then Alexia takes the mic and says... We're actually going to break down, you know, we're going to break the bones of our enemies and we're going to make it into our salad dressing. And yeah. it, it's, it's going to happen. Like the trophies are going to happen because we're going. And that's to- how they play. Right. That's how they play. I mean, it's not, it's not even necessarily like from open play even. It's not like this, this, this marveloso with 11 virtuosos. It's the first two goals came on set pieces from Barcelona. And that came just because they were completely overwhelming their opponent in the first 30 minutes. And 2 nothing could have been 4 nothing. It also yeah. could have been 0-0 if Hoffenheim had defended those set pieces better. But the word I always use for them, and I, I'm not going to get tired of saying it until this generation of feminine players has passed, that they are inevitable. That is what they yes. are. Even without Caroline Graham Hansen, Without her on that wing, instead, it's Lecky Martins who moves over to the right. Rolfo moves from the center forward position where she has been some this year and moves over to the left where she's actually much more natural on the left. And then it's a different formation with basically three center backs with Patri moving between Mappi and Paredes, which gives you a Schwala up top and Jenny Hermoso right underneath her. And then that means Alexi Puteas and Aitana and good luck defending the middle of that park. Yeah. That means, and you, you can't. 
And, and I, that is not to continue to bring up the men's team here, but with the idea of how can you fit in Nico and Gabi and De Young and Pedri and Ansu and Memphis, how do you fit them all together when they are operating in the middle of the field? Well, like this, if your players are that talented and know how to play together and know how to play off one another and also stay healthy largely um, with Caroline Grahenson being the one exception, if they stay healthy and stay on the field mm-hmm. and you have a player like Alexi Buteus, who's better than everyone else in the world, it, it also really does help. But <laughs> even I so and they just they feel so you're right they feel so inevitable that even if set pieces and even the third goal that alexia scored that goes through the keeper's legs it's unfortunate and that's something that you know it, it, it happens in the game it's a mistake but barcelona create their own luck they, they, there's no they, there's no reason that they don't they just yeah they dominate but yeah Caroline graham hansen her scare was similar to agueros it's a scary thing but yeah. fortunately the again unlike the first team that seems to always get bad news it seems like we got some good news on the cgh front Oh, yeah. And I mean, look, she is uh, right now, if I were to break down and buy a, a you know, player shirt, it would be hers. Mm. Um, she is <clears throat> someone who uh, doesn't look fast, right? Doesn't look all that deft. And yet you think, how is she getting by all these people? She's remarkable. And my absolute favorite thing about her game is that her uh, head is always up. It's always up, which means that woman has uh, supreme confidence in where the ball is at her feet. And you can't teach that um, as much as teams uh, try to teach. It's hard. I mean, the thing about um, them versus Hoffenheim is in the 90th minute, 4-0 up, they were uh, pressing like it was 0-0 in the first minute. It was just extraordinary to watch. I don't know how many people uh, watched it not enough um uh, but to me it was one of the more edifying football matches i've seen in a very long time or really since last time uh feminine play um they are i mean Xavi should make make the men's team watch them uh, you know they are everything a, a barcelona football team should be right now and not just dominant but the attitude uh, the hunger the technical skill. They are um, in better shape than their opponents. Um, they are a, a superior squad right now in every way. And I mean, I don't think anyone stops them in um, world football. I mean, look what they uh, uh, did to Arsenal. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, there are, I mean, like, that's a, that's a good thing about women's football right now that uh, Lyon could find form at the right time, that there are teams that could even Bayern Munich or PSG. I mean, maybe Man City, Chelsea, there are teams in women's football that if Barcelona don't finish their chances, they, that's basically the one thing. If they beat themselves yeah. and don't finish their chances, then they could be susceptible to something. But yeah, back to the point even about the, uh, the kind of the synergy within the team that I like to see when Patri and Mappi came out to see uh, some of the first team training. I like the fact that, and again, it does happen because of the international break and it's just too many people in one place. But the, the first team for a while now has felt like that, uh, you know, a burning Viking funeral pyre just being sent out to sea when the feminine yeah. are doing well. And even for Barca B last year under Garcia Pimienta, they were making the playoff, right? They were almost getting to the second division, right? And it just yeah. feels like everything that's happening with them was completely independent of the first team, of the feminine. And there's a reminder too that FC Football Club Barcelona, and yes, it's led and always has been led by the first team. And, you know, those are the stars, those are the rock stars or whatever. But 
there's this synergy at Barcelona where Football Club Barcelona has very successful parts of it. And I think this is beating a dead horse on this podcast. We've done this a lot, but it's not just about propping up the Femini. It's the fact that the Femini, if anything, galvanizes the first team. And if anything, it should take some pressure off some of those young players to go like, oh, actually, I just came from the Johan Cruyff Stadium and Patri and Alexia and Atana just destroyed some other opponent and they're wearing the same jersey I am. And in the same thing, then the, I'm getting called up to the first team, which is the same synergy as the feminine, same thing as the men's first team and I'm Barca B or Juvenil A. And there's a synergy within Football Club Barcelona that I think is important to get back to. And I think that not to shy, say that Xavi is one step of that, but uh, just these little, again, these little breadcrumbs. He is, right? These little breadcrumbs that say this club can be all-encompassing again. And yes, the first team is the biggest domino, but all the other dominoes behind have already started to fall even. I know dominoes don't work that way. I haven't played in a long time, but yeah, I mean, the, the point is that a lot of things have started to work in the background already. The academy, look how good the academy looks right now. And again, like there are players that are in training with Xavi that I don't know. And that is, Kevin, Kevin, that's a great thing. I love saying I don't know. It makes me very, very calm. But the good thing is you were able to join me today because there are a lot of things you do know. So I really appreciate your time, Kevin. Oh, uh, as uh, my pleasure. It was always fun. It'll always be fun. And I mean, there's a lot to unpack. I think that um, Xavi's going to have a mess on his hands uh, for a while. You know, I hope that um, Fatih and Dembele come back more rapidly than expected. I mean, I don't think they will make Benfica, which is a shame, but I think that, you know, getting those two back healthy um, will be huge for Xavi um, because that front three is going to be uh, uh, fantastic. Once they're all fit and gel, but the biggest thing is he needs, he's got to sort that midfield. You know, I, I, I think that right now you've got a lot of uh, players from not enough slots. And I think that if he's looking at his idea of a midfield, I just don't know that Busquets is part of it. So, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, I think that, you know, people better get ready for him not getting the results that they expect right away. But I think that next year, once he's really had the opportunity uh, to reshape this bunch mentally, you'll start to see good things. That's my guess anyway. So patience and positivity are the two P's that I keep saying. Uh, the third P might be Patreon. So I want to thank all the patrons who joined in, who helped to financially support the show. Again, Frances uh, two weeks ago put out the call and people have been very kind. So I really appreciate that and all the messages as well as I've been going through stuff in my personal life. And Twitter and Instagram, at the Barcelona pod for us. But more importantly, follow Kevin Williams. You just hit his name down in the show notes and he'll take you to his Twitter. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good time over there. So our closed Facebook group too, uh, the Barcelona podcast. I've had to be uh, a bit, bit of a, I, I don't like when I have to play the play the bad guy, but I've been sick. I've been cranky. So, you know, I, I'll bring the I'll bring the hammer down in that Facebook group. But everyone do enjoy, you know, just answer the questions. I let you in. And then we're on YouTube. I have some things cooking again. I've been sick. I've been out of it, but I have something cooking over there as always. So that is the Barcelona podcast. And most importantly, though, thanks for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barca.